This is the technical area, your weekly football manager podcast, brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Gramo, once again. This is episode five, where we're taking an FM20 preview trip. We're going just a little bit beyond the air. The edges of the European game and we're exploring those leagues just on the outskirts of Europe. With particular focus this week on the MLS, the A-League. And of course then, you know, an honourable mention here or there for some of the uh, the more popular regions that FMers tend to go to. In particular, South America. Though of course there are those obscure opportunities in Asia and Africa, which some players do wish to go and follow. Um, the last two weeks, between episode four, between episode three's whole focus being on a, a, a cho- choice of beta save, and episode four's, well, you know, with the stop tour of Europe, and then of course the, the the save, the teasing of the save reveal, and then the the save reveal the following day, or hours later. I just want to thank everyone, look, for the kind words, for the support, everything that they've, you know, has come through. Um, to me, of course, look, you know, like as I said before, things can always be done better. We can be our own harshest critics and often, you know, we don't realise that something that we've done, you know, can often, you know, be perceived much better by others than be perceived ourselves. We can be our own harshest critics. And it's like... Okay, I totally understand why there's people out there who may not have enjoyed, liked or enjoyed episode three, and who may not have really kind of liked and enjoyed the kind of the uh, the avenue this podcast has gone down over the last couple of weeks. But of course, you know we are planning full steam ahead to go towards episode uh, episodes. You know, hopefully six or seven, where FM twenty is launched, the beta is released, and you know we can all start going crazy and wild. You know, with with FM twenty in our hands. So, look, I appreciate your patience because we kind of navigate our way just all these FM20 doldrums. And hopefully the podcast will take flight then over the next six or so weeks, especially. Um, in terms of the save reveal, like, thanks to everyone who's taking the time to watch it. To those people, again, who disliked it, look, no hard feelings. I totally understand. The video was totally something different. It was not FM, like, it was like being back in school at a history lesson. Where the teacher is trying to make obscure connections with the real world. And let's be honest, I was doing exactly that. And it was just like a recorded PowerPoint presentation. But look, nonetheless, you know, if you took the time to watch the, the three minute long journey through time from, you know, uh, through royal royalty from, you know, royalty through battles. And then, of course, through uh, the Irish diaspora spreading their way across the world and getting football clubs named after their descendants. You know, if you got to the end, I do appreciate it. And I hope like that, as prescribed, it was it was comfortable and helped you putting you to sleep. But look, yeah, FM20, I'm going to South America, I'm going to Argentina, and I'm going to be managing Valais Sarsfield. You know... FM19, I planned on finishing with PSV, and I have. And in terms of what's going to go on there, you know, I, I just have, I just felt, you know, the plan was to get to a trophy. The plan was to win at the end. and But to be honest, I just, 
the game never took off me this year in like a long spell and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up to be honest which I finished up last night I finished played till the winter break things were going pretty well we weren't scoring a lot of goals we weren't conceding a lot of goals we were just kind of doing enough just to you know be in the title fight we've just done enough to you know get out of the Champions League group but I'm just you know I don't be put myself under pressure over the next week or so just to keep playing FM just to finish that season. So I'm happy enough to leave it unfinished. I'm happy enough to walk away from FM 19 now. Now the plan for the next unknown period of time is just to do a lot of reading and research. And, you know, strategize really kind of for, for FM 20. I, I want to get a, an idea of the club I'm going to be managing. So I'm going to be reading up a bit more on Velez Sarsfield. I'm going to be reading up a little bit more on the players there tactical systems to use um i think a big issue i've had in fm 19 and even fm 18 to an extent is after the success of managing schalke and fm 17 i didn't really evolve my tactic too much i rested on my laurels a lot trying to keep doing the same things you know and you know goals dried up and especially with teams where you know i didn't have the talent available to me as i had on the schalke side i rested on my laurels a lot so in terms of um, the next week or so I, I really want to focus on developing the attacking side of my management developing the attacking side of my tactic and kind of understanding the player roles better how they can complement each other what each role can bring and you know just just exactly what I want from my team in an attacking sense and how to best serve the the man I elect to, or the men I elect to start up front and get the goals for the club get the goals for the team and you know hopefully sustain the save in the long run because you know as you know appreciative as we can be of fantastic defensive football and as upset as we can be that you know Virgil van Dijk may have not won the best player at the recent FIFA awards you know the defensive side of the game is 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 important but as it's seen as modern football is seen you know goals were Goals is what gets people there attacking flashy football, and that's kind of what you know. I, I just feel I need to find myself again, I need to find that attacking flair and bring that into the, the, the clubs and the teams that I manage. And of course, the players and personnel that I choose to do that just with. So, now kind of moving on into the, the main like segueing across, you know, it's a case we all are looking for that team, and it's great to see so many save reveals starting to kind of slowly appear, whether you were Dan Gear 66 or 67 days ago. Uh, or, I know, some people may have gone earlier than Dan. And then, of course, like every day now, we kind of see one or two kind of interesting tidbits come along, people. Whether it's Mike Accordings, uh, Orby Salzburg, FM Samos, even just like his bait reveal of Norgeland in Denmark. Now, it's great to see where people are going, the ideas are beginning to develop and it was interesting to hear the One More Game podcast. If you didn't hear it today, Thursday, the 10th of October, the latest episode was great from Mike and Samo's chat to the guests they had on. I won't ruin it, but it's great to hear, you know, some people going to going to new places here, managing new clubs, and I'm really, really interested in following those along. One of the people I have been following for the last couple of years, back from the higher tempo days, has been Charlie Tango. And I'm not sure, like, if, you know, you remember the articles Charlie would be regularly writing and posting up in the higher tempo, but, you know, 
I, I know I did contribute to the site and I contributed at the time, but it was um you know, articles like my uh like uh, Charlie Tango's they kept me going back, going back and reading, kinda of looking daily to see what the latest update was. And, you know, Charlie was great and he recommended that I take a look at Australia when I was putting together these podcasts. And to be honest with you, you know, I'm really kind of thankful because, you know, in the last couple of years, recent Irish internationals players who've cropped up on the Irish list, we've we've seen them kind of move out towards like Australia. So they might be moving towards the glamour of the MLS. The Irish seem to be drawn to Australia a good bit as with um, Wes Hill and most recent making the move there. And of course, we've seen some high-profile players in recent years make the move down there. Alessandro Del Piero, was it? Made the move down there to Melbourne. Robbie Fowler was down there for a time. And I'm sure there's plenty. Emil Heskey. There's plenty of others have made the move to Australia rather than make the move to America. So I, I took a bit of time. Went out to see like, you know, what the A-League, what it presents. And is it something that FMers should go and check and look quick summary you know if you're interested in the american kind of sports and the structure that's in place there the um certainly certainly the um a league could provide a very very similar type challenge because the structure is quite similar so just in a really really kind of simple sense the a league has a regular season and then it has a finals series that features the top six clubs in the regular season. The winner then of the final series will be crowned the Hyundai A League champions. So in a traditional um league structure league format, the league is played over twenty seven rounds of each club playing each other three times. So you play every team once at home, once away, and then you know, you play some teams twice at home, you play some teams twice away. So if you play one team twice away this year, you'll play them twice at home next year. So it's nice to a bit of rotation there. Once the league is finished, the top six then go through to the final series. Places, though, are determined, obviously, through points. And the club can be differentiated based on goal difference. Goal difference is the primary differentiator. So it's goal difference and then goals scored before we get into head-to-head and anything else like that. So like that, if so, it could be a case of you know there is that emphasis then on attacking, like to having that balanced play, of having a strong defense and a good attacking sense when it comes down to highest positive goal difference. So the highest number of goals scored is the second tiebreaker. So maybe just a little bit more emphasis on the attacking side could just be enough just to ensure. You know, if it comes down to those fine margins, that first, you know, you you've given yourself as much of an edge. The final series then are played over three weeks. If you are one of the top two teams in the league, you get a buy for the first round of the final series. So, the highest ranked team and the second go into two semi-finals. The highest ranked team will play the winner. We'll play the lowest ranked team from the first round. So third plays sixth, fourth plays fifth. So the lowest ranked team to come out of the, those quarterfinals, in essence, would be the ones that would play first. And then the highest ranked team would play second. So it's a case of if first, second, third, and fourth were the final four, first play fourth, second plays third. So you kind of get the idea there. 
And then the winner, all those two semi-finals, goes into the grand final. And, of course, the winner of the grand final is the champion. So, like, there is that, you know, feeling that you don't have to finish first in the league. That even if you finish sixth, there is a chance that you could actually become the league champions. So, although I know that may frustrate some people, I know Zlatan certainly would not be happy with that, considering his comments during the season for about the MLS. That, you know, but we'll get onto the MLS in a little bit while in a little while. So there is, you know, there is kind of a, an incentive still to try and finish as high as possible. That, granted, if you can't finish fourth, giving yourself the best possible seeding, best possible ranking could be what gets you through to, you know, this this grand final, give you a chance of winning the league. Another interesting aspect, though, is the salary cap. The Australian A-League has a heavy emphasis on a salary cap. And the idea there is to try and facilitate competitive balance and parity between the clubs so that the playing talent is distributed among the clubs. So instead of we get the typical dominating team that has the best players because it's the best resourced, you know, the teams, the, the league tries to have kind of a parity. Whether you agree with that or not is up to you. But, like, you know, th- this is just how it is. So, like, there is, of course, the opportunity you could take on. You could finish 10th in the league. You know, you're not relegated. But it's a case of, you know, there's the opportunities. You have equal opportunity to attract players as the top-ranked teams because of the salary cap. So, the current salary cap at the minute is 3.2 million Australian dollars per season. Except for the newly formed Western United, they've been given a little bit of an extra uh, 400,000 just for their inaugural season, which is the 2019-2020 season. All clubs, though, must spend a minimum, which is 2.8 million. So in the actual reality, you're kind of talking about, you know, 240,000-ish thousand, sorry, 400,000, kind of give or take on the actual like difference between the minimum spend and the maximum spend, which isn't an awful lot once you break it down over a season. You know, we're talking you know, maybe six grand a week total difference there. So like as we know for managing in Europe six grand a week, you know, it's not an awful lot of money to be spending. So the salary cap though applies to twenty to twenty three players. So what happens is then you can have three players who kind of uh, receive their payment outside the salary cap. So you can have these are kind of to allow clubs to bring in and attract world class players, retain long serving players on multi year contracts, or encourage the development of young Australian players. So designated players, club can spend unlimited amount on two of these, and it must nominate them. Very similar to the MLS. Guest players, so a club can spend an unlimited amount on one guest player. But the guest player is restricted to a maximum of 14 matches in a season. You know, so it's a case if you're if you're looking to sign one of these aging European uh, talents, maybe signing them up to this guest player contract, could it be your way of bringing them down? Because, you know, in terms of rotation, you don't have to rely heavily on them. Clubs can spend an unlimited amount of four Australian players, aged 23 or younger, who've come through the youth system. And an unlimited amount across any number of players that have given four or more consecutive years of service to the club. So this is kind of really interesting to see that like the cl- it's in a case of rewarding loyalty and rewarding clubs that put a good strong emphasis on developing their own homegrown talent that they would be, you know, outside of the salary cap. 
So like it does give you a bit of wiggle room, but of course then your club would have a wage budget that you have to operate within. So again, challenges do like this can come in. So other kind of opportunities outside can include um, scholarship players. You can have salary cap bank. Like there's plenty of wiggle room there, nonetheless. Now links to all the all these places where I'm getting the details will be found below. So if you are kind of want to check this out for yourself. The Australian A-League has actually been a great resource here. So in terms of the league structure, like I said at the minute, we've just recently gotten Western United added in. So we now have 11 teams in the league this year. So that would mean, obviously, you know, the fixture that stays in play around three times. So 30 matches, I think, is what you're looking at this season. A lot of the teams are based around the major cities. And all, and all but one of the teams are actually Australian. So and that's Wellington Phoenix from New Zealand. They're the only kind of in the same way we see Canadian teams like Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal participate in the MLS. You know Wellington Phoenix are in the A League. Perth Glory are kind of out on their own. They're the only club from the West Coast. Adelaide seem to be kind of separate themselves because they're kind of outside the the centre kind of that main kind of Gold Coast of Australia that stretches from Melbourne. Right down, right around, or up to Brisbane. So the majority of teams can be found kind of in that kind of region, the huge concentration. So only kind of, th so you can kind of really kind of look. If you're managing Perth or Adelaide or Wellington, you could kind of. There is essentially could kind of be the the face of a region, the identity of a region. Certainly with Wellington Phoenix, the opportunities are there, of course, for like if you're looking for one of these nation building saves as well. Because the fact that Australia participates competitively as a nation in the Asian Confederation, New Zealand is a great chance for you to kind of build up the, the nation of New Zealand while managing with Wellington. And if you don't kind of really feel the draw to um, managing Australia, here's a couple of you know familiar names that have just made the switch recently. Now, former uh, Melbourne Victory star Kasuki Honda is looking now to make the move to Manchester United following the finish the the um the completion of his contract there that he's 33 old free agent. Don't need money but I will play with a great team. So there you go. Manchester United fans, former Melbourne Victory Sark Shuki Honda could be your hero. You know desperate times sometimes. Adam LaFondre has also made the move down south, currently with Sydney FC and the strikers admit that he has been shocked at the standard in the league. So we all know Adam LaFondre is kind of has a you know, soft space in the hearts of us football manager fans. You know he, he did have that you know deep lying podcast appearance back in the day, but like that he said the standard of football really didn't surprise. He, he said I was maybe expecting a lower standard. He said surprised how good they are. They're very good technically, and the standard isn't very different to what we used to back home. So if you're someone who's used to managing maybe in the lower leagues of England. And the Lord of Visions, you know, you could, maybe you could be like that, following Adam LaFondre down, look to make a name for yourself, way down south. Plenty of opportunities there for us all to, you know, and plenty of thoughts to go through there. In terms of the clubs to manage, you know, there's excellent choice there. Like I said, there's a con huge concentration of clubs. Manchester City do have links down south. You know, so if you're not a Manchester City fan. Is it Sydney FC? I think they have the links with, so maybe you might want to look elsewhere. 
Uh, oh, sorry, it's not. It's Melbourne City, so I apologise that they have the links with. But of course, there's plenty of opportunities, including Newcastle Jets. I think that was a question. There were actually an answer there on Monday's episode of Five Star Potential. So there they are getting another mention again on Football Manager Circles. But of course, then we, you know, like that, Australia might not just be the like one retirement home as some people may view it. But in fairness to the MLS, the MLS has invested huge to try and reinvigorate its image. Hmm. And we've seen players who are not quite at retirement age making the move across the Atlantic or even up from South America to use it as a gateway into Europe. As you've seen, like, the, the likes of Almiron at, Man- at uh, Newcastle do. So you're kind of looking now at the MLS as a highly competitive league with an increased standard of players there. You know, we've some... Since the, the David Beckham era, where Beckham saved the MLS, really, because of the the increased focus and attention he brought, the MLS has thrived since that move back in 2006-07. So in the MLS, of course, um, you know, there are the, those red, those rules and regulations that everyone has to kind of follow. The 2019 MLS is divided into two conferences of 12, making up a division that has 24 clubs. So depending on which club yeah, you choose to manage, which franchise, um, geographically speaking, you will be assigned to a conference. The Western Conference, focusing on the western side of the country, the eastern side of the eastern. In terms of competition, the Eastern Conference has been quite fierce this year and just in the 2019 season. While the Western Conference was heavily dominated by LAFC, but nonetheless, this, you know, there's plenty of choice, plenty of opportunities here for you to kind of go out and make a name for yourself. So, in terms of the season, just like the A League, we have, and just like a lot of other American sports, we have the regular season. And we have the playoffs. So, in terms of the regular season, each of the twenty-four MLS clubs play a total of thirty-four matches. 17 at home and 17 away. You'll play every team in your conference twice and each non-conference opponent once. And then in order to fill the remaining two matches, each club will play the remaining two matches against an inter intra-conference opponent. So it's just randomly selected then, you know, of off kind of a road at which teams you will be put up against to f- fulfill the remaining two fixtures. Um, on a match day, it's the usual 18 players named, 7 on the 11, starting 11, 7 subs, 3 um, three substitutions used. VAR is currently in use in the MLS as well. In terms of the playoffs, at the end of the 2019 MLS regular season, we move into the playoffs and the top seven teams from each conference qualify for the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs. At the end of the regular season, there is the supporter shield. The supporter shield is when the two conferences are united to a typical 24 team division and the winners of the supporter shield are the team that have massed the most points over the regular season. So although you may have been the team that has amassed the most points, you may not be the actual team that does end up winning the main trophy of the season because although the supporter shield is given out 
that's not the one MLS clubs strive to win. They strive to win the MLS Cup, which is kind of, you know, the game and that final kind of Super Bowl type final. So in terms of the standings, the top seven in each qualify. First place in each conference gets a bye, while the other six teams play off. Second plays sixth. Third plays fifth. Sorry, second plays seventh. Third plays sixth. And fifth plays fourth. The winners of those then move into the semi-finals. Again, just like the A-League, first in each conference will play the lower-ranked team and the lowest-ranked team remaining in the semi-final, while the highest, the kind of the, the middle two ranked teams will then play off against each other. These matches are two-legged. You go down to the to a conference final. So the conference is, you know, winner of the East, the best two teams, the, the kind of the survivors from the East versus survivors from the West. And then just like in, uh, you might see in the NFL, just like you see in the NBA, the winners of each conference then go and play in this one-off final. Winner winning the MLS Cup. In terms of interesting rules, though, there is an interesting yellow card rule during the um, MLS regular season. And that if players are booked a certain number of times within consecutive games, within a few, um, few game period, then, you know, you're, you're, it's a case of you could get a suspension then. So instead of saying getting your five yellow cards, getting your ten yellow cards, whatever it is, if you get a, if you get your yellow cards, um, if you get five yellow cards, you get a suspension. And then for each two yellow cards, uh, yeah. So it's it's you know it's 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 really kind of intricate. Then there's a good behaviour incentive then as well. So a player will automatically reduce his yellow card accumulation by one each time he appears in five consecutive matches without receiving a yellow card, red card, or any supplemental discipline in any of the matches. So it's a case of if your player has received a certain number of yellow cards, playing five, don't get in any trouble, the yellow card number goes down by one. Now you can't have minus one yellow cards, it doesn't work like that, once you get to zero, baseline is zero it's just set there you know this is the way it is roster building as they call it then is also a really kind of challenging thing so up to 20 players count against the team's salary budget and refer to collectively as the senior roster okay you can have supplemental rosters you can have injury kind of ir which basically means you've assigned a player who's going to Miss the like the remainder of the season and frees up as uh, a place for you and your roster, but of course this all counts against the salary cap. So that's you know it's it's where things can get kind of really really interesting. The number of international players you have and US based players is increasingly important. You have to have a certain number of domestic players. If you're managing in Canada, US players do not count as international players. If you're managing it in the US, Canadian players do count as international players, despite the fact teams share the same league. So kind of Canadian players can often be kind of discriminated against then because of the fact that, you know, they count they take up a foreign player slot for the internet for the US teams. 
You can have a generation Adidas player. And what these are, these are high profile talents coming out of kind of the collegiate programs, moving into the professional environment and can often be put through the MLS super draft. You, so, of course, there's then the drafting of players. You also have an academy. If you don't want your player from your academy moving into the going into the, the super draft, you have to uh, forego a roster spot and some of your salary cap often towards making this player a member of your roster. This stops them being poached by other teams in the MLS Super Draft after you spent so much time nurturing them. Complicated, I know. Designated players then allow you to bring up the three players whose total compensation and acquisition costs exceed the maximum salary budget charge. So what happens is then is the clubs bear the financial responsibility each player above the salary cap. Designated players so like that they can account towards a portion of what your salary cap is. Everything else, of course, has to work within your wage budget. So there's not just a salary cap to work with, there's also a wage budget. So this really does stand out as a real Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, Google kind of sheets, numbers on Mac, whatever it is used, this is really a fantastic league if you're a spreadsheet based manager this was something i found really challenging when i managed the mls with san francisco rush and but to be honest i kind of felt i did it wrong but i'm gonna say it now on this podcast on the record san francisco rush will be back maybe not in fm20 maybe not in fm21 but the San Francisco rush will come back. That is something I am really, really interested in doing. Now, there's a great website, MLSGB.com. So it's kind of like a British guide to the MLS. Really, really great. And I don't think it's been updated in a couple of years. But there's certainly you know, a very, very simplified version of what the MLS have officially up on their website. If you are looking for rules and the like, just to be broken down. And then just kind of to finish off the MLS focus... You know, there's plenty of choices here now. Like I said, we have 24 teams currently at the moment. So, and then, of course, we have expansion teams coming in. And, by the way, we have Austin. And, of course, the one everyone is most interested in seeing, and that's David Beckham's Inter-Miami. Look, if you're going to the MLS and you want to win straight up, you're going, into, you're going to be looking for those teams that are really performing very well at the moment. LAFC, you can't look much further. They are the current holders. They won this year's MLS Supporter Shield. So currently, and MLS pundits believe, they are the best team ever in the MLS. Carlos Vela is currently one of the standout players, the former Arsenal and Real Sociedad winger. But of course, you know, he did get Zlatan's ire at one point in time because Zlatan did say, you know, He was in his prime, he was in Europe. Vale is in his prime, he's in America. But whether you listen to Zlatan or not, there's a great place to go. But LAFC are really kind of the standout team. They are literally the pinnacle currently of the MLS. And they do play in absolutely gorgeous black and gold kit. So much so I actually went to bought it myself. And it was not influenced by the fact that I did get to see their, uh, their stadium when I was in California last year. It's just beside the uh, LA Coliseum. So any NFL fans out there, you'll know the LA, the LA Coliseum. 
current home of the uh, the Chargers, the Rams. Sorry, of the Rams, and and it's just um, seeing it all on the same campus. You know, it really kind of brings the magic of what a great city LA is when it comes to sport. So being the new kind of team in, in the city, like by smack bang in the city, so LAFC, you know, it's a club that really has everything going for it. You know, if you're looking to take them down, Seattle, the great opportunity. New York, with their links to Manchester City as well, that's New York FC. Then, like, the current holders, the current title champions, that's Atlanta United, with Joseph Martinez up front. They play in the Mercedes-Benz Arena, which is where the Atlanta Falcons play. Currently managed by Frank DeBoer as well. You know, the Atlanta United, really, really top quality club, but, you know, they just don't seem to be at the same performing at the same level this year so maybe that's an opportunity for you LA Galaxy snuck into the playoffs they, they did make it in kind of towards the end they're very very talented they've some I think the Christian Pavon on loan that Argentinian talent we all love to try and sign on FM there's Latin of course up front but of course they are not kind of the same force they once were with Beckham with Landon Donovan with Robbie Keane I don't really want to count Steven Gerrard or not an interesting shout though is Portland. You know, they're kind of just one of these kind of outside teams, but they really have an interesting project going on there. And considering the, what a player scores, they saw off a bit of a log with a chainsaw, and the player gets that bit of a log after the game. You know, it's really, really totally different. Great, you know, if you're looking for that totally different look. And then outside, you can. You know, there is, of course, the older MLS teams like Philadelphia Union, DC United. There's the New York Red Bulls, part of that network, if that's something you want to get involved in. Columbus Crew. And then, of course, for me, San Jose Earthquake. It just seems to be a really, really interesting place right now. So managed by Matthias Almeida. The other thing, they actually made a significant number of progress, significant amount of progress this year with a really, really interesting squad. Chris Wondolowski became the record goal scorer in the league this year. The, I think he's 35 now. You may have seen him recently on you know videos where he was in the stands with the ultras supporting San Jose. There's kind of a real kind of interesting vibe. San Jose was as well, not sure it's just outside of San Francisco. So, and that's what kind of why I chose him. It'd be kind of like moving a club like maybe like Reading or Wofford and moving them and planting them smack bang in London city centre. If you were to, you know, do the move I did where you brought them to San Francisco, but they're a really, really interesting project if you are looking to, you know, try with a club, because they've come from being possibly the worst team in the league, to possibly the group the best now. With the sorry, with possibly now with the potential of the being the best. Narrowly missed out on the playoffs this year, but the project there is very interesting. And that would be a club I definitely recommend. And speaking of recommend, the other thing I just want to recommend you is, is that you, if you like the pod, if, please feel free to subscribe and share on whatever platforms it is you've enjoyed. If you enjoy the pod, please leave a positive review. It certainly helps us grow and helps this uh you know, find our feet once again after, you know, the hiatus and the rebrand after the FM notebook days of FM, late FM 17, early, most of FM 8, sorry, late FM 18 into FM 19. 
all links to all kind of reference points used will be found in the description box below. If you are looking to, if you have any kind of any contributions you want to make to the podcast, whether it's a question for the Q and A, a topic, or even the suggestion that you come on as a guest, that's absolutely all welcome. Feel free to get in touch through the socials there below, whether by direct message or, or if you want to do it more openly through comments. Absolutely no problem. I'll do my best to try and facilitate you however I can. This has been episode five. Episode six will drop next week. Currently, the topic is unknown. But then again, we could be talking FM20 beta by that stage. So keep your eyes peeled on the socials and we'll see what topic it is we drop right now, though. It's a mystery. But I just want to again say thank you for listening. Enjoy the international break. Enjoy this FM hiatus. Get researching. And, you know, we'll talk to you again next week. This has been the technical area. Bye for now.